0: Reading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh, they did it. A miracle. Dungeons. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock and awe. And college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog.
1: What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast. This is the weekend college basketball betting preview and conference tournament preview part three. I'm stuck in with me. As always, on every Friday is BJ Cunningham. BJ, how goes the March? The of oops, it's great, right?
2: It goes very well. I mean, this is the best time, best time of the year. I I'd say probably the best two months for the sports would be October and March. I mean, there's just so much ahead of us. It's going to be so much fun. Obviously, we have a couple conference tournaments starting. But, man, when Monday hits next week, it's going to feel so, so good. When And on Tuesday, when ACC tips off and everything, it's going to feel so great. So, yes, best month of the year and and a lot ahead of us still.
1: Yeah, uh, this, I finally got maybe the break that I've been waiting for with that incredible UT Arlington cover. They're you on know, 14 with three to go. Got a 1% chance to cover backdoor three, and then inbounds goes off of ULL. I feel so bad for anyone who had ULL. That's a bad way to start your, your day. Those noon tips, like you feel like if you hit it, you're feeling good. If you don't, you're like, oh God, what am I in for today? So that felt good. Still owed a bunch, but I'm not going to sit here and complain about bad luck. Here's the thing, like it's been an unlucky season for me, but people, everyone has unlucky seasons and lucky seasons. No one talks about the lucky, right? You know, no one focuses on the lucky. When you're running well, you're on fire and, you know, maybe it's just because you're lucky, but no one will ever focus on that. It's just, oh, these are all my great calls. So uh, it's more So it's, We're dwelling on the positives and moving forward. So that was a nice one to get. We have a lot to get to today. Um, we're going to cover three conference tournaments, shorter episode today. There's no interviews, no Friday night six pack. We'll highlight a spot or two um, that we'll talk about on tomorrow's slate and then a, a spot or two Saturday. A lot of it's to be determined. Colin will join us in just a minute. And then, you know, we'll keep this short and sweet because next week, like Sunday and Monday, you're gonna have about four or five episodes. I'm doing one, I'm doing one with the each of the guys from Three Man Weave, covering like four conference tournaments each. Then I'm doing another one with Colin, Mike, and BJ on Monday. We're covering five more. We're gonna be covering, I'm gonna be doing episodes for 20 conference, like I think 16 or 17 conference tournaments next Sunday night and Monday. It's it's gonna be amazing. So yeah, uh before we get into everything and Get Colin here. Um, Takeaway from the week, rant, wherever you want to go with it. What do you got? Yeah,
2: it's, uh, I mean, the Wisconsin-Purdue game was was incredible on, uh, I believe that was Tuesday night. Um, you know, Purdue, obviously, per shock quality, should have walked away with the win. Wisconsin-Banks a couple in, but just incredible environments right now in college basketball. Uh, the Big Ten, I think, is, is somewhat up for grabs right now. There's a couple other conferences that, especially SEC, that looks completely up for grabs. It's just going to be a really really fun conference tournament time now that just upsets are happening left and right around the country. So there's going to be just a ton of parody as we go through these next two weeks. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And also, you know, be prepared for some pain as well.
1: Oh yeah. Lots of pain. Yeah. Um. I, yeah, I look, it, it was a great win by Wisconsin. I was also impressed by Providence, the effort they put up at Villanova. The I thought LSU kind of got the shaft for, by the refs um, a little bit against Arkansas. That was another incredible game. LSU, by the way, they, they commit some dumb fouls. Like they got a bad whistle a little bit, but one of their – let's see. So Wilkinson fouled out and Tari Eason fouled out. Tari Eason, who's an incredible player, he has now fouled out in three straight games against Kentucky, Missouri, and Arkansas. He's played 13, 20, and 18 minutes. And those three games, he's fouled out of all of them. Uh, he, and he was playing awesome in the second half. It might have cost LSU the game. But I got to talk about the Big South. I mean, can we get every conference sort like the Big South? Yesterday, four Big South games. We had the first, there was a buzzer beater, Chuck Southern with a huge upset. And then we get two overtime games. And then we get a double overtime game and a four-point play at the buzzer to end it. I can't wait for the big South to return tomorrow. Maybe we'll talk about, I actually have a game that I'll mention. I don't know if you do too, but we have Colin here now live from, looks like he's at home in Arkansas.
0: Wilson, what are you doing? I Ho him. I'm just testing my maracas. Usually when I have mine tested, the doctor makes me turn my head and cough.
1: What's the, uh, when are we starting baseball? My, my, my guys say <laughs> like, he thinks like June Memorial day ish. <laughs> what do you think?
3: Uh, for me, SEC tournament uh, – I'm sorry, SEC conference play starts in April. So if we don't have MLB, like if I'm not tracking bullpen meltdowns from like the Orioles and the, and the Diamondbacks in April, then I guess we're going to move on to SEC bullpen meltdowns. That's just going to be the life until we get MLB back. Pick your date, though. Pick the date you would guess it starts. Uh, you got to get in before Memorial Day. So l- let's go May 24th.
1: All right. Well, your hogs stayed hot. Pulled out uh, what looked like, could have been a loss, but they pulled out a
3: win. Did Musselman get shirtless again?
1: I think I saw his bear Well, yeah,
3: He It's the first game without the sling, right? So we've had the sling for like two months since Wade ran into him uh, and, he, and he busted up all these muscles. He had this surgery. And so I was thinking with this like winning streak, and I know it was like 13 to 14 and there was a loss in there. We can't take the sling off. And LSU did. You and I wrote the game up. LSU did exactly what we thought. You know, Eason was protecting the rim. Xavier Penson was locking down J.D. Note. That's the only way you're going to beat Arkansas. you got to lock down J.D. Notte. Um, and so I thought that we were finished. But amazingly, this Bud Walton Arena, rabbit foot. I mean, stuck you and I in college football talk about postgame win expectancy. I haven't had the chance to check the shot quality box score. What was our chance to really win that game? Like 1%? Uh, it's I mean, actually, I,
2: you guys had 65% actually. And I yeah, don't even know how.
3: LSU covered 72, 68. the whole time. Yeah, LSU covered the whole time. So, I, hey, the rabbit foots can – I think it's going to end at Tennessee, but that's not going to be for a lack of, of effort because of muscle, and he always has this going.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's only so many times – if I'm an Arkansas fan, I think you – like. I mean, seating they, if they're, they're still rising in seating. Um, But, like, taking a loss wouldn't be the worst thing at Tennessee. It's not going to hurt your resume. And all of these emotions – like, Arkansas is going to have a dud sometime soon. Like, these, just such so many emotional games and emotional wins. Like, Saturday's like a good time to have it, and then you kind of reset before the SEC tournament. You kind of like, okay, we're not that good, right? You tell your players that. That's kind of what you want. To, you want a good spot to tell them that heading into March. By the right. way, your boy Jalen Williams, that man loves taking, trying to take charges and taking charges. I've never seen anyone love it, love it more.
3: I was calling a BS on one of his flops. I'm like, there's no way. I barely got brushed. Fell to the floor. I mean, we're talking 1994 Corey Beck. We're taking about eight per game. So there, you can cash your tickets there. If I'm gonna bring up a cash match. your
1: tickets, Colin brings up uh, '90s Arkansas basketball. Um, all right. So what do you got? You always come to us with a winner. I think we're gonna call. We're gonna call your bet last week a push. Uh, <laughs> sadly, I had two and I it's pushed it. <laughs> we'll call it a, we'll call it a push um so it should have been a winner um they blow a, fu- a fucking inadvertent whistle and then they have to come back and split free throws in a banked in three to i mean just incredible i feel bad for anyone at two and a half or three um but that's the way it goes sometimes all right what do you got you always come to us with one winner could be conference tournament it could be a future it could be something for this weekend um the floor is yours
3: Yeah, I would suggest getting a number early uh, because there's two pushes in a row, two pushes out of the last three weeks for me from the closing number, but the opening numbers would have cashed. I'm staying in the SEC, you know, of course, where I feel most comfortable. Auburn is going to play uh, at at the 11 a.m. slate, 11 a.m. in in God's time zone, God's country. Um, And I think, you know, they're going to whoop up on South Carolina. The SEC is going to be theirs. That deems Tennessee's chance, you know, because they have a tiebreaker over Auburn of sharing a, a conference title that deemed null in that game. Arkansas, I don't think, uh, has a sh- shot in the world. There's some sort of weird puzzle. Uh, it would take a crazy amount of things to happen. Kentucky lost to Auburn. So there's a lot of things where Kentucky shouldn't be motivated for this game. One, they can only share a conference title if Auburn loses South Carolina, but that game's already going to be at half. Uh, by the time Kentucky tips. So when Kentucky goes into halftime at Gainesville against Florida, there's no chance that they can win outright. Maybe they can flop two, three seeds. It's not going to really matter in the SEC tournament. There's really no reason to play as hard as possible in this game. Now you look at Florida, they're not only on the bubble, they're they're Lunardi's next four out right now. This is a crucial game for them. If they lose this game, they're going to have Massive. to win three games. Yeah, they're going to have to win three games in the SEC tournament at a minimum. If they win this game they still might have to win two but to get down into X's and O's. But if they win it they might be in into
1: the like it last four in that's how big this win could be.
3: Huge and they're playing at home and I think when you get down to like you know X's and O's and everything both Florida and Kentucky are two of the highest efficiency teams in the SEC and doing dribble three-pointers, just dribbling up to the line and shooting it. The difference is Florida's frequency is second in the SEC. That is their bread and butter. Their point distribution per Ken Palm, highest of any other team in the SEC of taking three-pointers. Kentucky's defense per shot quality is 10th in the SEC in defending the dribble in three. So what Florida does best and what they do most, Kentucky's 10th in the SEC in defending it. So if you combine that with a little – You know, motivation factor. If you want to go down narrative street, that's fine. But from an X and O standpoint, Florida should cover. What Ken Palm is saying is going to be a six-point game. I'd play it down to five. It's a great spot for Florida, heavily motivated. We don't know what Kentucky's going to do. You and I both thought Ty Ty and Wheeler weren't going to play against Arkansas, and they're out there collecting minutes. So I and and
1: hitting the backdoor shot off the backboard.
3: (laughs) Right, right. So I, I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what's going through you know Cal's head about who is and who isn't going to play. But I am. I do know that this is the biggest game of Florida season.
1: Yeah, really hype home spot. You also get um, – you have Castleton who can battle Shibway inside. And then the hope is if you bet Florida, because I, I imagine that the first – it's like a race to two fouls in the first half. Foul trouble will probably be massive. And, you know, if you back Florida here, one of the reasons why teams have a home court advantage is because you get – and an extra whistle here or there. So the hope would be that, you know Big O gets in foul trouble early. Um, but Castle can Castleton can at least battle him inside. So you're rolling with the gators. Um, you, are you agree with me that the hogs go down, right? You think the hogs go down Saturday? I
3: listen, from an X as an O standpoint, I don't think we can hang with Tennessee. Ken Palm says the spread should be seven. that indicates. And if the market, I think the market's going to spread sc- an eleven am game, an eleven am. central game. In Knoxville, it's just not a great spot for us. And I thought we were going to be completely flat against LSU. That flat game is coming. Please get it out of the way before we get to the tournament, before we go down to Tampa and play in, you know, where the where the, where the the Lightning play their hockey games. This tournament has not been in Tampa since 2009. Stuck, you and I are going to podcast about the SEC uh, tournament next week, and that will be out there for everybody. But uh, I would love for Arkansas to have a flat game and lose. And I'd, I'd love to have Tennessee cover the seven just to get them motivated for the conference tournament.
1: Yep. All right. Good stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the hoops, the madness, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. All right. Thanks, guys. Good luck.
2: Woo, pig suey.
1: All right, BJ. Let's. Uh, before we get into, just we'll highlight a couple spots on Saturday and Sunday. We have three conference tournaments that we're going to preview. I, I, I believe the three-man we've guys covered the SOCON, right, on Wednesday? Okay. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think that basically comes down to Furman. Or Chattanooga. And I, I Chattanooga, you can get a plus 200 credit to Furman at plus one fifty. Furman hasn't been to the tournament in like decades and they always choke this. Firm I, I actually think there's value in Chattanooga. They stumbled a little bit down the stretch, but you know, they got the best backcourt. They have, you know, de back healthy, but you have Malachi Smith, Baptiste. You know, they beat Furman twice and they didn't have Baptiste for one, and they didn't have D'Souza for the other. I think Chattanooga is going to get it done. Furman, obviously a high-variance team. shoot. At, I think they shoot threes at the first or second-highest rate in the country. So if they're on, I mean, if they're reigning threes, they could beat anyone uh, in that conference easily. But they also have in their half of the bracket UNC G, who's like the matchup nightmare you don't want to face because they're just like this tough, like, physical team that's going to grind you down. They can, they can work inside against Furman, kind of bully them a little bit. So that could be a potential stumble. I think Furman won both games overseas, but they were both really close. Um, but I, I think it was value Chattanooga. I think they're the best team in that conference, and you're getting them plus 200. I think they're an easier path to the final. Um, but I think ultimately we will see Furman versus Chattanooga round three. And by the way, big narrative to get out of the way. can't. It's hard to beat a team three times. That narrative has kind of been debunked. And if you go back 30 years, 30 seasons, the team that won the first two games is 52% against the spread in the third meeting. So um, there's really no edge there. Now, there can be an edge in certain circumstances. So if there was like, depending on how you lost or what the matchup is, but a lot of times there's a reason a team lost twice, right? You're going to be in a conference tournament. It's not like there's going to be a motivation difference, right? Like it's a conference tournament, right? Um, So there are exceptions to this. Where it's hard to beat a team three times, like you know, if there's you have a, a huge favorite, um, then they're not really playing for anything. In the conference tournament, there's a team playing for their lives, like there's. But these are just one-off things. Don't bet into that narrative. Um, it's been debunked, and you can go back and look at historical stats that I just quoted. But let's move on to the America East. We're going to cover three conferences that shouldn't take too much time today because there's uh, there's some. Heavy favorites, but the, I think the Colonial, which we'll get to, is the most interesting. But America East, eighteen tournaments played on the home court of the higher seed for each game. Stony Brook is not included; they have a postseason ban. Vermont is minus six hundred to cut down the nets. Is they that also the biggest won. ever? Like
2: I don't, I don't, I don't think uh, I've ever seen something that big.
1: I don't. I think I feel like I've seen Gonzaga higher in some years. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, no, I mean, this year you have a lot better teams in the WCC. But, at, but the, the thing with Gonzaga is you get, like, double buys to the semis and then you just got to win two games. Um, but I think I've seen Gonzaga, like, minus 800 before. But in this, it's just an 18-tourney. There's no buys. But Vermont has a pretty easy path to the final. Um, they lost one game all season in conference at overtime. It was by one to Hartford when Ryan Davis, who's their stud, and Finn Sullivan, their point, they were out. And Hartford – but 12 of 24 from three and one by one in overtime. They did just beat UMass Lowell by one, but they were up 13 in the second half. Every other game was decided by double digits. The second best odds are UMBC, I believe, at 10 to one. I, I'm i not letting 600, um, but I am not interested in any other team in this conference. This is Vermont's. Um, would be an interesting team to get in the tournament. Their offenses just can go on these runs and just bury teams out of nowhere, especially in that. That conference, it's a pretty down America East. Um, So I got nothing here. I think this is just the Vermont Cruise, um, unless something goes catastrophically wrong. You got anything here?
2: Yeah, no, I'm pretty much just going to end up passing. There's one team I did take a a little bit of a look at, but I'll probably end up passing on. Albany is 50 to 1 right now, the five seed. Uh, they just got one of their best players, Devondre Perry, back to Temple transfer. It looked like he was going to miss the rest of the season and just miraculously in the last game of the season was you know doing jumpers uh, for the game and ended up actually playing over 10 minutes. So who knows what you're going to get from him in a conference tournament coming off a laundry like that. Um, but they will be the five seed. Uh, there's a potential if you can get an upset uh, from the 3-6 you know, game or the 7-2 game because the the way this one works is that it's always played – uh, the lowest, lowest seed always plays the highest seed. So there's a potential they could avoid Vermont in the uh, the semifinals if they can get past uh, the four seed, which is still up in the air right now because some seeding still needs to be decided in the UM, UMass Lowell and uh, Hartford game tonight. But with him back, you know, Albee is second in the conference per shot quality in terms of points of possession allowed uh, on defense uh, and transitions and also in half court. So it's – uh it's interesting. So if you get your best, essentially one of your best offensive players back, cause Perry was leading the team in scoring before he got injured, like right at the start, I believe of conference play. Uh, it could be a huge boost to them, but again, who knows what you're going to get from them coming off that long injury. 50 to one, I think is a pretty good price. Uh, you will get a, a, I don't know about a decent hedge opportunity in the, in the final. Cause I'm sure if they do actually make it all the way there, Vermont will be probably, I don't know, 15, somewhere around that favorite. So Albany uh one is kind of interesting just because they're getting one of their best players back. But other than that, yeah, this is just uh, definitely not laying with Vermont and just passing uh, altogether. Probably.
1: One of the one of the worst conference tournaments out there yeah. this year. I, I have no real interest in watching any yeah. of this until the final and we'll see how it goes. It's just not an interesting conference this year. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on to the Summit League where we have another big favorite, not as big as Vermont, but South Dakota State's minus 175 to win this tournament. It's an 18 tournament in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. No buys. North Dakota didn't make it. They're the odd man out. But there is an advantage for the top two seeds. And the top two seeds, they both have easy round one games. So you play two of the, of the worst teams in, that made the, the tournament they should cruise by. But you also get a day off before the second round. So it's actually a four-day – so it's no buys, 18 tournament, but the one and two seeds – so the one plays the eight and the two plays the seven on day one. Then there's day two where the three and four seeds play, and then everyone plays the next day and then the next day. So you actually get a day off in between if you're the one or two seed, which can be advantage because the other – you know, if you're a three or four, got to win three days – three games in three days. So if you're now – if you're Oral Roberts – I think that there might be a lot of Oral Roberts love out there after what they did last year. O'Banner's no longer there, but Max Asmus is. He will have to go nuts, which he is capable of doing, and win three games in three days. They're right around five to one. North Dakota State's right around five to one as well. They're the two seed. UMKC, the Ruse, are 12 to one. They got one of their better players back late in the year, started to play better. And South Dakota, 15 to one. Their offense got a lot better towards the end of the year. And then Western Illinois, 25 to one. I think these are the only teams that have a shot. Western Illinois, zero depth whatsoever faded down the stretch. I don't think that there's any chance whatsoever. I think that this is a pretty fairly priced market, but I could see arguments for, you know, one of the two or three seeds. If you fancy one of them, maybe you do BJ. What do you see here? I actually really love South
2: Dakota State at this price, given the fact that how easy I believe their path to the finals probably going to be. They're going to play Nebraska Omaha in the first one. They're going to be twenty-five point favorites. They should cruise yeah, by that. Just, like just, just going to cruise. You, yeah, just I mean Nebraska Omaha. They're I believe on Ken Palm. They're uh, seventh worst defense in adjusted defensive efficiency. And for those who don't know, and I haven't watched
1: South Dakota State. South Dakota State, State's play, offense is a machine.
2: They are the number. They are without a doubt the best mid-major offense in college basketball. It's not even close. They What's crazy is that, so they're the number one team in the country in half-court points per possession. They're number two in transition. They are the number one team in three-point field goal percentage. But if you look at shot quality, it's actually legit. Like, their shot quality three-point percentage is around 44%. It's They are an unbelievable offense. And if you go through all of their uh, shot quality scores in conference play, only one team has gotten within nine points, and it was Oral Roberts in the second conference game of the season. So they have just been trucking everybody now there's some results have come you know a little you know closer obviously the Oral Roberts game comes to mind second to last game uh, before the season ended where I went to overtime and South Dakota State escaped by four but what's interesting is that that game South Dakota State closes a minus three and a half point favorite and minus 165 on the money line so if you take away about three points of, of home court advantage South Dakota State's if they cruise to the final like they should, because you know against South Dakota and UMKC, senior, those teams came within ten points of them in both meetings. Uh, they're probably going to be minus seven, seven and a half point favorites over over. Oral and Roberts.
1: and Oral will be playing its third game in three right. days if they get there.
2: So they'll be well over minus two fifty on the money line. So at minus one seventy five, I think you're getting really a discount here, unless something catastrophic happens in the first two games, which obviously can happen. It's March, but. Uh, I think the path is just too easy uh, for South Dakota state to get to that final. So I think you're getting a discount here on them at minus 175. Uh You mentioned Western Illinois. I, I kind of like their offense is pretty efficient. I kind of like them. The defense is absolutely horrific, but the two games against oral Roberts, they hung, they won one and hung with them in the other one. And then they also beat North Dakota state as well and barely lost for the other one. So like you said, they have no depth and you know, that's why they're 25 to one, but, they're also kind of interesting to potentially get to the final. Uh, but for me, I, I do like this price on South Dakota State. I, I, you know, I'm kind of a little bit surprised it's not getting up into, you know, minus 200. It's like similar to where like Colgate is at uh, in the Patriot League. But obviously, you know, that tournament is uh, campus sites. But but still, uh, I, I the South Dakota State team, selfishly, I really want them to make the tournament. I, I really – they're going to be so much fun and a team to really pick as an upset in, in the first round. Bracket Matrix has them as a twelve. Right now, uh, twelve or thirteen, and some of the teams they'd play would be, you know, Houston, Arkansas, Texas, Alabama, maybe even Providence. That would be, a, oh my gosh, that'd be amazing. But uh, yeah, for me, it's it's South Dakota State or nothing here.
1: North Dakota State has some good size. They're healthy and uh, they're a little intriguing to me, but not enough to get involved. And Oral Roberts, I mean, look, ASU did it last year. They won three games in three days. And he went off and they won the tournament, but I think I would need a little more um, to get involved here. So yeah, pass for me, but I, I don't mind your argument. You're right. One, just from a pure price perspective, South Dakota State should get to the final um, and then they should be higher than minus six. And that's assuming that there's no like other upsets on the other end too, right? right? You could have someone else get knocked out and make an improbable run to the final and then South Dakota State could cruise. All right, let's get to the most – our final one. It's the most interesting conference that we'll talk about today, and that's the Colonial. Uh, this will be played – used to be played in Charleston. Charleston had a little bit of an advantage, but now it's in Washington, D.C. So nine teams make it. Everyone has a bye except for William and & Mary and Northeastern, who will play in the first round on Saturday. And the one seed is Towson. Talzin. Towson's 100 to win this. And not many people know about Towson. Incredibly, they are, I think they're up to like 60, 65 on Kempom. Last year, they finished 298. What, I mean, what an incredible turnaround. Experienced team that added a couple key transfers. They are excellent. I mean, it's 65. A team ranked 65 Kempom in the Colonial. Since like VCU left in 2011, I think there's only been one team that's been that high. And I think that's UNC Wilmington maybe five or six years ago. So this could be arguably the best team in the colonial over the past 10 years. And they play slow, but as with any Towson team under they're going to crash the offensive glass. Their offense is excellent. Um, they really just have no weaknesses and they can put runs on people. Look at some of the metrics on runs, like 10 0 runs and spurt ability. They could just bury teams out of nowhere. Um, really balanced team, no real weaknesses, one of the interesting things about Towson is that they'll play the winner of William and Mary Northeastern. Northeastern just beat William and Mary by like 40. Northeastern wins that game, Northeastern had a disastrous year. For whatever reason, they gave Towson trouble this year. They beat Towson once and then they Towson beat them, you know, close. So just for whatever reason, it might not be a great matchup for Towson. That's who they would have to get by. Then they'd play the winner of Drexel and Delaware. In the bottom half, you have UNC Wilmington will take on Elon, and then you'll have Hofstra taking on Charleston. Hofstra is plus 350. Drexel's 10 to 1. Charleston's 10 to 1. UNCW 12 to 1. Delaware 12 to 1. Northeastern's 50 to 1. Who cares about William and Mary? Um, so, you know, Hofstra's, some of these teams play really fast. Like Hofstra wants to play fast. Charleston plays fastest pace. Patrick Townsend wants to play a little slower. Hofstra has incredible guard play, no size, but they really struggled with Towson in both times that they played. I don't think it's a great matchup for them. If I'm going to take a shot and I might in this conference, I might look at Charleston. It's a team that I think underachieved a bit, but they have a style that's like conducive to making a run of the tournament. Helter's to play really fast. They got Meeks back. They got healthy towards the end of the year. I think they might be a little deflated in the advanced metrics, uh, maybe creating some value on Charleston. I think they have some high upside, Um, deep bench. You got to win. In order to win this, they'll have to win Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So win three games in three days, whoever's playing, unless you're Northeastern William Mary, then you got to win four games in four days. So, you know, it's not the most experienced team, but um, there's something that's screaming to me about Charleston. I don't know. What do you see here? You know, it's interesting. Uh,
2: we've talked about UNC Wilmington a few times on the podcast and basically how crazy their season has been, how many second-half comebacks they've had. its It's been insane, and guess what? They're undefeated to, in
1: overtime. Yeah,
2: they're now up to number one. Uh, they've overtaken Providence, number one on Ken Palm and Luck. But at the same time, they're sitting there at 12-1 to 1 with a favorable first-round matchup against Elon. They're kind of screaming to me, <laughs> especially at that price. And the market always dictates – you know, where to go on this one. And I, I think what they're saying is like, hey, this team's incredibly lucky. They're not going to win it. And, you know, they're basically trying to force people away from it, which is interesting. They are the number one defense on shot quality in terms of points per possession allowed uh, in both the half court and transition. Their second internal percentage, their first and three open three-point rate allowed. It's a good defense, but the offense is drastically overachieved. And that's why they're sitting at the number one lucky team uh, in Ken Palm. But at the same time, with a price of 12 to one, playing against Hofstra Charleston, you, you know, both those teams will have a, a pretty significant edge over UNC Wilmington. But again, looking at that price of 12 to one, Delaware is also pretty interesting at 12 to one. First in... Uh, shot quality points per session on offense, second on defense, uh, first in rim and three point rate uh, on offense and the second, in def- second on defense. They obviously have a tricky matchup against Drexel. Then they'll play Towson, who beat them pretty badly in the first meeting. And then in the second meeting, they had like a weird, uh, they had to pause the game in the middle and then restart it uh, essentially like a month later. And Towson ran away with it in the second half. But uh, it, so you can, I think you can kind of throw that game out the window. So Delaware's a little interesting to me also at 12 to one. So UNC Wilmington, Delaware is where I'm going at 12 to one given the prices, but I mean, Towson is clearly the best name in this, in this conference, but it's, there's no way I'm laying even money with him.
1: Yeah. Dylan Painter back for Delaware is big. He played 24 minutes. Um, although I don't know. That's weird because I don't know the actual minutes that he played. The it, like it was a restarted game, Yeah. Um, but he's been back the last three games. If you get him, you know, more at full strength, he's capable of going for, you know, 20 and, uh, 20 and 10, um, from the center position. So I think him being back is really important for Delaware. He missed a bunch of games in time throughout the year, but they're scary when fully healthy. So I don't mind that. I mean, I think that this is, I think Taliesin's probably going to end up getting there and getting it done, but it's a fun conference to throw a little flyer on someone in the bottom half, I think. So, you know, dig around, See what you like from one team, a player. And uh, I think it's a good conference maybe to just throw a couple pesos on a team in the bottom half. Unlike the other two that we talked about, I don't think it's really worth throwing any long shot bets in. Now, next week we'll have a ton more, so don't be too impatient. Um, we're going to have lots of uh, lots of long shots from the guys from Three Men Weave, Crew, myself, BJ, Mike Calabrese, and then Colin will join us for the SEC episode. All right, that'll wrap up our three conference tournament previews. All right, let's uh, move on. We'll do this uh, chronologically. Let's move on to Friday night or Friday, I should say, because we have day ball and we have a late addition to the three man weave. We were not, not going to do Friday Night Lights, but we are.
2: Six guys, six picks. It's a college hoops weekend six pack.
1: We've came in late with their picks. No audio, but, you know, sometimes we don't have lines for these. But uh, Matt is going with Murray State versus insert any opponent at insert any price. They will play the winner of SIBO at Tennessee State and will smash either race or four and two last <laughs> six games against the spread in OVC Tourney. Six, six point cover margin, exclamation point. And we'll be out for blood after lollygagging across the finish line. Situationally motivated favorites who can outclass the dog play well in these spots against a weaker opponent on short rest. So Matt's going to State. Jim Campbell, Gardner Webb under 125, down to 122. He says, and I like this too. I know they had a day off, but Campbell's still off a two overtime game. Regular season meeting barely broke 100. Gardner Webb has had time to prepare for Campbell's tricky offense. I generally believe Campbell can slow this game down, but I think that gets exasperated by in postseason environment. Gardner Webb's defense, by the way, incredible. If you look at some of their metrics, Kai going with NCA and T down plus seven ish, down to plus five. Only team to beat Longwood during the big south season. I agree. This was actually going to be mine. Maybe I could find another one. Um, they should have won the other game. I had them plus seven and half. they're up 12 on the road. Like in the second half, they ended up losing by eight on like a technical that has melted down late. I think their guards can have a ton of success. I think that winning that game, like this is a team of transfers, very talented. That came together a disappointing year, but you know, get new life. The tournament, they're up big on Radford survive it, right? Now you can just play with house money, play loose, play free. You're playing long with the team that you know has all the pressure on them. The only team to beat Longwood all year was NCAT. I I love them plus seven, so I agree. That was mine. I'll see if I can find another one um, because that's probably going to be the double one. I know you you probably agree with that one, right? Oh yeah. Oh yes. Um, Won both games on shot quality as well. Yep. You're Friday.
2: Uh, I'm going to go Ohio minus nine and a half on the road against Northern Illinois. Uh, Ohio's now out of the picture of winning Mac, you know, regular season title, but this game does mean a lot in terms of seeding. They're half game up on Buffalo and game up on Akron. If they drop out of the three seed, they'll have to play Buffalo or Akron in the first round. Cause there's only eight teams in uh, the Mac tournament, but if they hold on to that three seed. They'll likely face uh, Miami, Ohio, which is a much better matchup for them. Um, Northern Illinois, they're not going to make the tournament. This game means absolutely nothing to them. When these two teams met in the season, Ohio won at home 74 to 62, but it's not the final score is kind of misleading because Ohio was actually up 70 to 42 with seven minutes left. Northern Illinois finished on a 20 to four run and actually covered 18 and a half points, which is kind of crazy. Uh, Northern Illinois, just so unbelievably bad offensively, 350th in shot selection, 330th in open three point rate, three hundred fifth in points per possession on shot attempts at the rim and behind the arc. Uh, It's just, it's a really, really bad offense while Ohio, Incredibly efficient in the half court, 59th in the country in points per possession, while Northern Illinois is 10th in MAC in points per possession allowed in half court defense. Plus, Ohio is top two in the conference in turnover percentage at uh, both ends of the court, when Northern Illinois is ninth in turnover percentage offensively. So, I think we get a blowout from the Bobcats in DeKalb on Friday night. Uh, so, give me the minus nine and a half.
1: All right. And then I'm, I'm going to go, I'll throw out another big South Dog. Chuck Southern plus seven against USC Upstate. Pretty fortunate this year in a number of metrics. Charleston Southern already played here in this gym. A little familiarity. Dog with house money again. A little craziness in this tournament. Catching seven. A little magic off the buzzer beater. I think this game is winnable for Chuck Southern. Um, so give me Charleston Southern plus seven. Two day two daytime Big South games. So by the way, the Big South, I feel like look, Longwood, as lucky as they were, they went 15 and 1 in conference and like NCA and T wins and you get a day off. Like they should you should play, and then let up you have to play back to back. You're penalizing your, your team that won it all. Anyway, I digress. So there's the six pack. We have Jim Campbell, Gardner Webb under, Matt, Member State, Kai, NCA and T plus seven, BJ, Ohio, and then I'm going to go Chuck Southern. And then our double is on obviously NCA and T. All right. So there you have it. It's our Friday six-pack. One final order of business here, and that's uh, just a spot or two. We have Circle for Saturday. A lot is to be determined. Make sure you check out the award-winning Action Network app, actionnetwork.com. We'll have tons of content for so much of the slate. We'll also have Big Bets on Campus Live, 1030 a.m. Eastern. You can find that on Twitter with myself and the guys from the Three-Man Weave. And as I mentioned before, tons of episodes on all the conference orders next week are coming out Monday. I think three of them will be out by Monday morning. So Saturday, a lot of the card is TBD, but we do have some of it.
2: So many games, so little time. Let's look at the Saturday
1: slate. Uh, What do you got circle?
2: Yeah, one of the best games of the day in the A-10, Davidson uh, at Dayton. Uh, Davidson's going for the A-10 title outright. They clinched a share of it, uh, but if they lose this game, then Dayton can potentially move up to the number two seed. Dayton obviously coming off that. Win against Richmond on Tuesday, but uh, per shot quality, they should have lost it by four, but we're not bitter about it. Uh, Davidson, incredibly efficient offense. within the country and half-court points per possession. Sit, top six in both catch-and-shoot and, and off-the-dribble three-point shooting, which is – but what's crazy about them is they're actually due for some positive regression from behind the arc in conference play. They're hitting just a little over 35% uh, in A-10 play, but per shot quality – they should be around 40%. Dayton is the best team in the conference. They're very good three-point defense, but they are also dead last in the conference in terms of uh defending spacing, which means basically how much space you're giving on average between them and the shooter. And well, Davidson's number one in the conference in that offensively on the flip side, Dayton due for some uh negative aggression from behind the arc, shooting way above where they should around other above, actually above 41% in conference play. Uh, while Davidson defensively do for some positive aggression. Uh, defending three pointers, so we have a nice little um, regression uh, storm there. So, Ken Palm has it at Dayton minus three. I would love to get Davidson at plus three, but uh, if I can, I'll probably end up playing the Wildcats on the money line at anything plus money.
1: Don't hate that. Uh, I'm going to mention a game that I already mentioned, and well, I, we have Florida, which I think is worth targeting at six, seven, or higher. Um, also. Tennessee I would love to get under like six but it might be a good money line parlay piece I think that this is just the dud this is like the dud game for Arkansas where they just the energy finally gives out they are way overdue maybe I have one or two more but now maybe I have one more but BJ I'll let you get yours out of the way what do you got
2: yeah, I'm uh I was I was looking through everything and this one it kind of caught my eye when I looked into it. Uh, Big Sky Conference. We'll go there. Portland State at Eastern Washington. So Portland State Started out really bad this season. They were 2-7 and seven start conference play, but they've surged back to 9-9 nine and nine going into Thursday. And it's because of their defense. They're number one in the conference in points per possession allowed in transition, against isolation, against pick and roll. It's just a really, really good defense. They're also number one in turnover percentage on both offense and defense, which is big against Eastern Washington, who's near the bottom of the conference in both at both ends of the floor. Portland State also number one uh, in defensive rebounding percentage, which is also big against Eastern Washington, who is – tallest team in the conference Uh, the problem in this matchup is eastern washington shoots a ton of threes they hit them at a pretty high rate and portland state's not a great three-point defense but eastern washington is near the bottom of college basketball in minutes continuity and bench minutes and it's shown up on the defensive end of the floor they're one of the worst in the half court 344th in points per possession allowed Uh, they're really bad against pick and roll which is where portland state excels uh eastern washington also dead last in the big sky in uh, rim and three point rate allowed while portland state offensively is number one in the conference so ken palm has said eastern washington minus eight i would love to get portland state uh at plus eight or better um uh but uh i'll, I'll probably end up playing them down to plus six and a half
1: any early thoughts on duke unc by the way,
2: yeah, it's it's very interesting because the last game, if you look at shot quality, obviously Duke ran away with it pretty early. Uh, game should have been around even. Uh, you know, Duke's probably going to be ending well to 13 point favorites at home. Uh, the overs always intriguing with how well North Carolina shoots the ball from behind the arc, but North Carolina is also due for a little bit of regression, uh, I believe, coming up here. So. It's uh, it's interesting. I'm definitely not gonna lay it with Duke, um, but I'll potentially be looking at an over if if anything's under 150. I think that's a pretty good uh, number for two teams that play pretty fast. So um, potentially looking over, but uh, probably gonna end up staying away.
1: Yeah, it'll come down to the number for me. Um, I don't have any strong feel on it. Obviously, it's gonna be a really emotional building. We're probably gonna get a lot of calls. Um, oh, one yeah. of the, I mean. Look, Duke's been playing really good basketball of late. They stole they, they stole that game at Virginia, but they you know they blew out Syracuse and they blew out Pitt. I get it; it's really bad competition. But one of the players that I've been really impressed with is Chera in the half court. He's really making some strides in the half court offense, and that's kind of what's I thought was going to hold Duke back. So if they can keep progressing on that end of the floor, it's a legit national title contender. The problem is the ACC is so bad; it's like yeah the amount of like legit sample size games you get against the league competition. It's like, all right, are they really growing or is it just the dead pit team? Uh, that should be a good one. We'll have a lot of content on that on action work.com. Uh, and like I said, most of the card is up for grabs. So make sure you check out the action Work app to See what we play. We'll have lots of content out there. That'll do it for us. Thanks to Colin, as always for joining us, the guys from the three man weave for contributing to the Friday six pack. And of course to BJ. And as always, thank you for listening. Appreciate all of your support. It's the best time of the year. Let's have a march. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Leave a review. I'll get my producer to send out some uh, reviews to me so we can give out some giveaways. Um, We'll do that at some point during one of the conference tournament previews. But that'll do it for us. Thanks again for listening. And we'll catch you early next week. Conference tournament previews. Can't wait.